We are so thankful for the ministry of Brian Peterson and the Lebanon Baptist Church in Roswell, Georgia, which is on the north side of Atlanta. If you ever move to Atlanta and you live on that side of town, you definitely need to go and visit Lebanon Baptist Church. Wonderful people, wonderful ministry, God-honoring ministry. And uh, we're so thankful for Brian's life. I've known him for so many years. So thankful for his passion, his love for God. He's always been enthusiastic. He's always been a servant. Our team used to go there and park our trailers there sometimes for two or three weeks for breaks that we would take. And it's just just a, a wonderful a servant of the Lord and a wonderful preacher of God's Word. And so I'm so glad that he can round out and finish out this wonderful week as we have been considering the great theme of God's steadfast love. And so, uh, Brother Brian, you come and let's give him a warm welcome as he comes back. Let me invite you to turn your Bibles to John 21. The Gospel of John, chapter 21. Well, over our days together, we have explored many facets of God's Hesed love. Tonight, what I'd like us to do is I would like for us to look at steadfast love in person. I would like for us to look at Hesed love in the eyes. I want you tonight to see the glory of Jesus Christ in his incredible steadfast love by looking at one of the final events in his earthly ministry. Of course, the Gospel of John was written by the Apostle John. It was written to the world to show us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you would believe in him, and as a result of believing in him, that you would have life. Not just eternal life, but abundant life even here. That's what this particular book is all about. John, over the course of all the chapters, has brought witnesses to the stand. He's talked about events in Jesus' life. He's shared discourses, miracles, all to display the glory of the person of Jesus Christ and convince you to be a follower of him. I trust that most of you are followers of Jesus Christ. If not, I trust that you will continue to investigate him. In this scene that we are going to look at in just a moment, John ends the gospel with what we would call the epilogue, with Jesus lovingly shepherding his disciples, and particularly one of those disciples. The setting is the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I wish I could paint the scene as Dr. Bob Jones Jr. used to do from this pulpit. He had a way of just painting the scene just perfectly. In just a few weeks... I'm going to be leading a tour to Israel, as I've done with Dr. Pettit and Dr. Horn. And one of the places we often visit is the Church of the Primacy of Peter. It's a church that's built on the location or a suggested location of where the events of this chapter 
took place. I've been there at times when tour guides have told the people there, hey, pick up a, look around here and look for a heart-shaped stone. And remember the truths of love that are found at this location and see it in this text. So tonight, as I read our text, I want you to imagine with me a lakeshore, one fateful morning. Listen to what it says in John 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loves saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as, uh, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, and girdest thyself, and walkest, and, and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall girt thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad amongst the brethren that the disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that this testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Would you join me as I pray? Father, I ask today that you would unfold this text before this audience and that you would enlighten minds that you would help us to behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, I ask that was prayed for many times from this pulpit on Friday nights of Bible conference, that you would pour out your spirit even more for Jesus' sake. Do that, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was during my high school years at Bob Jones Academy that I believe I finally chose to follow Jesus Christ. I often tell people I think I was saved sometime between 8 and 16. I don't know when it happened, but I think by the time I was 16, I had become a follower of Jesus They often say the best evidence for past faith is present faith. And by that time, I was believing in Christ. And I'll tell you, my life changed. In fact, it was around those years that at the academy, we saw God do a spiritual revival. Such that there have still been repercussions I've run into young people that are still, young people who got right with the Lord at that time that are still serving the Lord all across the world. Even I've run into some of them this week who are serving on the faculty. I would love, and I know many of you would love to see God's movement among God's people again today. That particular time period began my life of discipleship. And I'll tell you, my life of discipleship has involved many ups and downs. Am I going to keep following Christ? Am I going to keep doing what he's called me to do? Will I do what he has actually commanded me in his word? 
Let me tell you that believers will keep following him. Thankfully, God has continued to shepherd me back to the mission of my life. You know, disciples of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, disciples of Jesus have a tendency oftentimes to get distracted by other things. One of the most tempting things, of course, is sin. We got caught or we get caught back in sin and go back to many of the things we never should have done. Sometimes it's just getting distracted by the affairs of this life. Tonight, if you have truly chosen to follow Christ, have you gotten off track? Have you gone on a rabbit trail? God has saved you to serve him and to give your life for him. And in John chapter 21, we have a beautiful picture of how Jesus lovingly directs his disciples back on mission. In fact, what we're going to see is how he'll take a disciple, the disciple Peter, focus in on him and get this guy back on the mission of his life. I want you to see really four beautiful reminders that Jesus gives to his disciples. And if you're here today and you really want to live for the Lord and you have just gotten off track, see God's Hesed love in these reminders. And the first is this. Jesus reminds us of his power. Our text opens with a beautiful bit of background information. Remember, the guy writing this is none other than the Apostle John. He's an eyewitness. He's telling us exactly what occurred. He opens in verse 1 by saying, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, he showed himself. So here they are. They're at the Sea of Tiberias. And Peter lays out his plan. He's with his other disciples. And he says in verse 3, Peter saith unto them, I'm going fishing. I've got a bunch of fishermen in my church in uh, Atlanta, and a lot of them sometimes come to me. I'm going fishing, and sometimes I want to say, I'm going to go with you. Well, here's Peter with a bunch of his friends. I'm going fishing, and they're like, we're going with you. What's going on here? Some have suggested that Peter was possibly going back to his former profession, Many of you know he was a fisherman. Some have suggested maybe Peter was just kind of killing time because God said, hey, wait to the promise of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we got to eat, so let's go fish. We can't be certain exactly why he suggests going fishing. Possibly it was kind of a mix of both of them. They often, of course, would fish at night so they could sell their fish in the morning market. We're told in the text that they didn't catch anything. And the sun was now rising over the Golan Heights. And Jesus, Hesed love, shows up in person. It's his third visit to this group of disciples. And he now begins to manifest his power. He calls out to them in verse 5, and he asks them this. Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? The way I often would say it is, hey, 
How's the luck? Okay, did you catch anything? He asked them, hey, have you caught anything? And what do they say? They say no. And so he instructs them. He says, hey, cast your nets on the right side. And what do they do? They obey right away and they start pulling in this load of fish. And when they begin to do that, no doubt it triggered a memory. Because if you would go, and I'm not going to have you do this tonight, but if you turn back to Luke chapter 5, this same event happened many months before. Jesus had displayed his power in the same way. What had happened before was Peter, who had followed Jesus at different times and had gone back to fishing, followed Jesus, gone back to fishing, and Jesus kind of commandeers his boat one day and basically tells him to cast his nets after he'd fished all night and he kind of didn't want to do it but at God's command he does it and he brings in this load of fish and if you remember the story he falls on his knees and he repents and he's and and the text says this he then left all and followed Jesus but now Here, after Jesus had resurrected from the grave, what does Jesus do? He reminds Peter of his incredible power. He has ultimate power. Not only did he have power over the fish, they're looking at Jesus who had power over death. He had resurrected from the grave. They had seen him on the cross. Here was the one who had ultimate power. I love it. Notice John, the Apostle John's discernment. He's in the boat, a hundred yards away from shore, and what does he do? He says, guys, it's the Lord. But then Peter, he demonstrates his decisive action by just diving in. Notice notice what it says in verse 7. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he gird his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. Now I have gone numbers of times to Israel. One of the things I've not got to do yet is I've always wanted to jump off one of the boats like Peter did. Not naked, okay, as the King James Version. This is one of the picturesque words that the King James Version has. But I've always wanted to just dive in the water like Peter. Well, he just dives in and starts swimming to shore. What had he seen? He saw God's incredible power. Now, I'm looking at a number of you in this room that you do love Jesus. But there are some of you who get really distracted from what God has called you to do with your life. Other priorities come up. Life comes up. Sin comes up. Maybe some of you are still carrying burdens from this past Christmas time. And you started running from the Lord almost like David did. And God in his providence has brought this week into your life and he has begun to convict you of certain ones of those sins. Some of you, it may not be a sin. It's just you've gotten distracted by other things. It's just kind of weights in your life. And of course, 
Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Sin. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And what? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. And in our account this evening, God reminds us that he has all power. He is the master of everything. Bob Jones University, when you consider who Jesus is and the power that he has, you must recommit your life to him. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is all power. In fact, it was sometime around here, many of you are very familiar with the Great Commission. Remember in Matthew chapter 28, it happened in Galilee. And you remember what Jesus said there? He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I have all power. And right here, Jesus demonstrates his power before his disciples. I've always found it interesting that the disciples never catch fish in the gospel without Jesus' help. See Jesus' power. But not only that, I want you also to see how Jesus now reminds them as well of his provision. So what does he do here? He provides for them 153 large fish. Now, why did they count? Maybe they were bragging. Maybe it was like, hey, we're going into Capernaum later on, and we're going to tell them how many fish we caught. Now, some commentators have suggested, is it symbolic of something? I don't think so. I think it's just there, the 153, just to show you that what you're reading in your gospel is from an eyewitness. No doubt years later, maybe the disciples are talking and like, oh yeah, remember we caught those 150 fish? No, uh, John interrupts him. No, it was 153. He remembered. He's the same guy who at the beginning of the gospel of John, when he met Jesus, he records in the gospel, he says this, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. He never forgot the time that he met Jesus. So what's happening here? When they get to land, they get to land and Jesus has a breakfast ready for them. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. So he already had made something here. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. And did you notice what he does? He provides two things, bread and what? Fish. Bread and fish. Now, how did he do it? He wasn't cooking the fish that had just come off. He'll refer to them in just a second. We don't know exactly how Jesus did the bread and did the fish. But it is a pretty picture of this. That Jesus Christ not only has has all power, but he's also the ultimate provider. In fact, you know what he can do? He can furnish a lunch in the middle of the wilderness. Because if you remember back, just around the Sea of Galilee shore, 
many months before, what had he done? He had taken five loaves and two fishes and he had multiplied it to feed over 5,000, I mean, 5,000 men, which we know if it was just 5,000 men, no doubt it was tons more. And he had an abundant amount left. In fact, have you ever caught how when he had, of course, he's testing his disciples when he's doing the bread and the loaves. He says, you give them something to eat. And they said, we can't do this. And he says, okay, this boy's got five loaves and two fishes. And so he's testing his disciples. And then he, he, he multiplies them. And then they bring back 12 baskets, one for each doubting disciple. He is one who can provide anything. In fact, after he had done that, many months before, they, the people, the crowd that he had multiplied the loaves with, asked him, they said, hey, can you keep doing this? And what does he tell them to do? He tells them, I am the bread of life. You need to eat of me and drink of me. Let me tell all of you in this room, Jesus Christ can take care of all of your needs. He has all power. He has all provision. In fact, in the Gospel of John, it's interesting. You know what he does? There's one little section of John where I call it the wilderness motif. Where basically, when Israel was trapped in the wilderness or wandering in the wilderness, what did they need? They needed light, they needed bread, and they needed water. And what does Jesus do in the Gospel of John? What does the Apostle John just continue to declare how Jesus is the one who is the living water to the woman at the well. And how he says, I am the bread. And how he says, I am the light of the world. And basically he's telling them, you know the God of the Old Testament who supplied all of those things in the wilderness? I am he. I am Jehovah Jireh. I and the Father are what? We're one. He is the ultimate provider. Some of you in here, you may think, you know what, if I really start following Christ and doing what he wants me to do, how am I going to take care of myself? If I surrender to this or this, what about all the needs of my life? It's interesting, Jesus said not far from this very place when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, or yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? He says, hey, consider the birds of the air. I feed all them. And the flowers, I clothe all them. And you remember how he ends this section? But seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. When it comes to following Jesus, you must not worry about your provisions. God will provide in ways he sees fit. I mean, it's tax season. Okay, you remember one time when one guy had to pay tax? You remember what he told him to do? Go catch a fish and there'll be a coin in its mouth. I'll take care of you. Some of you may be here today and say, how am I going to pay my taxes? Let me say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he will take care of you. He has all power. He has all provision. 
have you begun to doubt him? Peter, here he is, going back to fishing. And God manifests his power. He manifests his provision. And now Jesus reminds him as well of this. He reminds him of his patience with him. Following the meal, Jesus begins a conversation with Peter. You remember it? Verse 15, it says this. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, one aspect I want you to catch. Some of you may have not caught this before. It's really interesting. But John, a few verses earlier in verse 9, points out that the fire that Jesus made was a fire of coals. Now, let me just suggest something. Don't read into it too much. But do you know the last time there was a charcoal fire mentioned by John? Was the charcoal fire that Peter was warming himself at when he denied Jesus Christ three times? And John, as he's writing this gospel, says, and there was a charcoal fire that Jesus had made. Of course, we know that Jesus had spoken to Peter since then, possibly had restored him at that particular point. But some see the dialogue that is to follow as Peter's public restoration. Jesus displays, what he does here is he displays his headset in seeking to affirm Peter by asking him some questions. He asks him, do you love me more than these? Now there's a question here like, what are the these? Is he saying, do you love me more than you love all these other disciples? Do you love me more than you love them? Or is he meaning, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Because if you remember, did Peter say that before? He basically said, hey, if everybody else leaves you, I'm not going to leave you. So is he talking about that? Or do you love me more than these fish? Because if you remember... When they brought the fish to land, you remember what Jesus told them to do? He says, bring some fish up here. And possibly he could have said, do you love me more than your profession, than this fishing? I personally lean toward either the fish or more than these other disciples love me. But honestly, what's really the point here? What do I, what do I want you to catch Asking Peter if he loves him three times is establishing a point for Peter. Peter had denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Jesus now has Peter affirm with his mouth his love for him on three different occasions. It's almost like this. Hey, Peter, let's get this down. I'm doing this to help you. Let's say, do you love me? And Peter says, and he repeats it. Now, some have focused on the different Greek words that underline some of those words love. The words agape and phileo saying that Peter couldn't affirm the stronger love. I don't think that's the point. Because in the context, Jesus uses different Greek words for love. Sheep, knowing, feeding, tending. Jesus knew Peter had failed And that others knew that he failed. 
But what Jesus is doing is he's reaffirming Peter and he's reiterating his calling on him. He's, he's lifting him up again. He's like, Peter, keep going. Say it. Yes, you do love me. Let me remind you, in your service for Jesus Christ, there are going to be times and many times that you are going to fail miserably in your spiritual life. You are going to deny Jesus in various ways and you are going to fall face first into sin. And God is going to convict you about it. But let me tell you what he's also going to do. If he is your Lord, the Bible says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He will come after you. And he will go after you. And he will seek to restore you. Because that's what he does with his children. Because the Bible says, if you are not children, as all of my, my children are, he says, then are you bastards and not sons. You're not true sons. If you don't endure chastisement. If you're sitting here today and you can just sin and do whatever you want and not feel any conviction, you, you ought not to brag about that. That very well means that you're not a child of God because God does this to his children. He comes to them and he reaffirms them and he shows them his patience with them. I know for me, I've fallen like Peter so many times. I've said that little phrase many times. I've done it again, Lord. I'll tell you, the older you get in your spiritual life, the more broken you'll see that you are. You know, the Apostle Paul, early in his ministry, he looked at himself as what? He says, I'm the least of the apostles. A little bit later, he writes, I'm the least of all the saints. I mean, when you think of all the believers, you know what? I'm kind of at the bottom. You know one of the last things he writes? He says, I'm the chief of what? Sinners. And the more you get to know Christ, the more you see your own brokenness, but the more you see his own hesed, he comes to you. And there are numbers of you in this room. You know his patience. He knows your frame. Maybe even this week, some of you deserted Jesus. You know what he wants to do? He's coming to you and he wants you to reaffirm your love toward him. The Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up what? Again. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Jesus is coming to restore you tonight. You need to affirm like Peter did. Some of you tonight need to go to God and say this, God, like Peter says, you know all things about me. You know it all. And you know I love you. And you know I did wrong. But I'm coming back to you. Catch this. Here is Hesed looking at Peter, showing him, I have all power. I have all provision. I have all patience. I'm bringing you back. But then he does one final thing. Jesus then reminds Peter of his plan. In the conversation, Jesus first reminds Peter three times of his plan for him. Notice at the end of verse 15, he says this. 
He says, feed my lambs. He says at the end of verse 16, feed my sheep. He says at the end of 17, feed my sheep. What what Jesus is doing is he's telling Peter, rather, Peter, than giving your life to fishing, I want you to give your life to my sheep, my people. I want you to serve me. And we know that the Apostle Paul had a unique role. He was the one who would open the gospel to the Jews at Pentecost. And then he would also be the one who opened the gospel to the Gentiles with Cornelius. And I'll tell you this, I do believe that God has a special call for the ministry on many people. I sensed the call to ministry while I was at Bob Jones. I was in high school, went on a New York City mission trip, and I saw the need of our world. And for the first time in my life, I just said, God, i got to give my life to the gospel. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity has laid a hold of me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And I surrendered to the Lord. And you know what God does for some people? He begins to work in your heart internally and giving you a desire for the work. And that's what he did for me. There was that internal desire. The Bible says, if any man desire the office of a bishop or an elder, he desireth a good work. And then what will happen over the years as you begin to train, it will ultimately be affirmed by a church, a local church, who affirm your gifts. But no doubt, God may be calling some of you in this room to ministry. But whoever you are, whether it's ministry or not, all of us have been called with a general call, you could say, to make disciples. Because not far from here, as I referred to in Matthew chapter 28, when he gave the Great Commission, it was not just the disciples. There were many other, not just the 12 disciples, there were many other disciples there. And he tells them all, all of you, go make disciples. And if you're a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, your calling in life, you have been given a license to disciple. And you are to be going to do that with your life. It's expressed as well in that command when he tells Peter, Peter, you follow me. God's plan is for you to follow Jesus. Do your part in God's work. Have you got off track? Are you not doing what he's called you to do? And I'll tell you, whatever it is, it's going to involve God's sheep. It'll mean that you need to get engaged with God's people. You're to do good, especially to those who are of the household of what? Faith. Part of your life needs to be engaged in the local church. And it not, ought not to just start here. It ought to be the rest of your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you ought to be serving and engaged in the local church with God's people. That's what God's people do. And that's what he's telling Peter. You, be involved with my sheep. Serve them. At this point, Jesus tells Peter about his future. Verse 18. He says this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou art old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall girt thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. 
Here you're like, okay, what is that all talking about? And then he clears it up in verse 19. It says, this spake he signifying by what death Peter should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Now, did you catch that? It is here that the great physician takes his patient and he basically tells him, guess what? You're going to die. I'm giving you your death sentence. And guess what? You're going to die a very cruel death. The stretching forth of his hands spoke of Peter's future crucifixion. Jesus then tells Peter, it's going to be hard, but guess what? You follow me. Peter never forgot about that. He was conscious of that. Even when he wrote 2 Peter in 2 Peter 1.14, he says this. He's writing to the, the, the scattered tribes, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. He referred back to it. Peter then turns and he says, okay, I'm going to die on a cross or I'm going to have to stretch forth my hands. What about John? What about the apostle John? He says in verse 20, then Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following and also leaning on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeth him, saith Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus responds, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You follow me. He's basically telling Peter, Peter, that's not your concern. You can be concerned about all these other people. Your job, your life ought to be this. As I fix my eyes on you, you need to fix your eyes on me and you need to follow me with your life. And here, just to wrap up things, John clarifies some truths before ending the book. Evidently, a story had been, cro- had been passed about that what Jesus said here meant that he wasn't going to experience death. And, and John has to clarify and says, no, that's not what was happening here. But then Jesus once again focuses Peter. Peter, your job in your life is to follow me. He kept saying it. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Bob Jones University students, faculty, and all of our friends here tonight, you don't know all the twists and turns that this life is going to bring you. Peter's calling was to glorify God in his life and in his death. But we can often get so focused Oh, what about this person? What about this person? Or what about what's going to happen there? And God says, don't worry about them. You, you give all your attention to follow me. That's what you need to give your life to. And then one last last aspect of God's plan that he shares in this final little section. He says this, do this until I what? Come. Come. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to show back up on the scene at the sound of the trumpet. His plan is for me and you to be constantly about his work. We must embrace that mission that God has called us to do and follow him. 
So in our text, what have we seen? Jesus lovingly directs his disciples back on mission. What a God we have. This is Hesed looking at you in the face. It's Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you have gotten off target in your spiritual life. You've gone back to your comfort zone. You're fishing, whatever it is. Or you're sulking in your failures. Man, look what I did. I can't serve Jesus Christ. Jesus is reminding you, hey, I have all power. I have all provision. I'm patient with you. Just come back. Reaffirm your love toward me. And remember my plan for you. And your plan is this. It's to follow me and make disciples and give your life to this. Some of you in this room, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater. If you're still investigating Christ, let me commend to you the gospel of John. Just read it over and over and and pray this prayer. God, if you are real, if Jesus is the Christ, show me as I read this. And I'm telling you, He will unveil himself to you. He is the ultimate one. He is where all the fullness is. Some of you need to get back on mission. Some of you, you were on fire first semester. Some of you were living for him and you got off track. You know what you need to do? You need to see his power You need to see his plan. You need to see his provision. You need to see his patience. And you need to submit your life to him. Now, did it all get solved here with Peter? Did he ever fall again? Guess what? Read Galatians. He fell again. And guess what? So will you. But the good thing is, is this. Jesus will keep showing up at your door. And he will keep reminding you of his power in his provision, in his plan, in his patience. That's what he does for his children. He comes after them. And his children must do what? They must respond to him. And get back up and get following him. And I'll tell you this, God used Peter in an enormous way. And one day I'll get to meet him. But more importantly, one day I'll get to meet the Lord. And if you know him, you will too. Get back on mission. See his hesed love in this beautiful text. See his love for you. And know the love of Christ constrains us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again. Let's pray. Father, would you, in your special way, as you did that fateful day by the Sea of Galilee, would you come to the disciples of yours in this room, and even now would you remind them of who you are, And Father, may tonight be a night that they reaffirm their love for you. And Father, 
help this group of young people who know you. Help them to go out into this world and help us to, as it was said about these disciples, help them to turn the world upside down. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.